there's going to be a good divide made between the people that are here, between those of you who were raised in a church of Christ and those of you who were not raised in a church of Christ. And by in, I mean going to a church of Christ. And on the sign, they did things the way we do things here. Communion was served every Sunday. Um, we took up an offering every Sunday. Um, there is a... And, and we sing a certain way. And if you, you, if you haven't ever been to a church of Christ before, if this is your first time, you may have noticed we're missing something. Uh, a, a piano. Or an organ. Or a djembe or a cajon, or some vibes, or whatever. Um, I'm just listing odd instruments for my, for my kicks. We sing a certain way. Uh, we, we sing together. Uh, we, we do a song, um, uh, several diff- all of our songs, uh, if you notice the notes, they have, they, have, they have notes up there, and we can sing. We're actually, people from the Church of Christ are known as good singers. If you want to start a choir at your school, at your school, you go to the Church of Christ, which doesn't have a choir, and inquire about their kids and say, hey, we're starting a choir. What we need is some singers. We need kids who can hear pitch, who can hear this note, la, perfect note, right? I nailed that one, right? can go la, 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 la. You know, we can hear the harmonies and hit all the notes in a chord. And you grow up and you just sort of hear that sort of stuff. You don't have to show me the notes. I can hear the harmonies. And there, there is, we're used to that. Now the problem is, is when people, those of you who are used to that, maybe you don't know this, but the problem is when people come in from the outside, they ain't. And when we expect them to be used to it, it's probably a bit of, uh, it's probably not all that comforting. But what's fun about what we do is we do have a choir. You just sit in the pews. You get to be our choir. We, we all sing together. There's a Lutheran pastor named Nadia Boltz Weber. Uh, she is a. She used to be a stand-up comedian. I actually knew her through that avenue of stuff, and then she became a Lutheran pastor, a reverend, I suppose. And she has. Um, she was being interviewed because she wrote a book, and uh, she was in, being interviewed on um, NPR, which you know. I'm sorry. I listen. I listen to that sometimes. Am I a sinner? Sure, but. I was listening to NPR, and she was being interviewed by Kristen Tippett. And Kristen Tippett is um, from the Baptist Church, and gr- born and raised in the Baptist. She's part of the Southern Baptist Church. And, uh, and Nadia Boltz-Weber was telling her story, said, I was raised in a very, very legalistic and conservative church in Arkansas. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> Turns out it was a church of Christ. Um, and then she fell off the deep end, as our kids sometimes do. We're going to have to stop that. She fell off the deep end and then came back to God through the Lutheran tradition and went to seminary and became a, um, a pastor in the Lutheran church. And, and Kristen Tippett said, Oh, Church of Christ, they don't believe in, mu- in instruments. 
let me put that to rest. We believe they exist. Like, we know, like, we're not that dumb. Oh, <clears throat> instrument. What she said, and Nadia Bolzweber quickly corrected her and said, oh, we sing a cappella too at our Lutheran church. She said, oh, why? She said, that's one of the few traditions that I've taken with me from the Church of Christ is we sing a cappella. And Kristen Tippett said, why? And she said, because everybody gets to do it. Listen, I am not going to open up my Bible and start condemning people to hell for their worship practices. But I will consistently uplift any sort of tradition that lets everybody be involved. I think that's beautiful. That when we all sit down, you're sitting next to somebody who's going to sing the praises of God with you today. We're going to get up here and we're going to start it. And if Johnny's leading, it's going to be on the right pitch. And if I'm leading, it's not. It's going to be a bit higher or lower than it should be, but it's never going to be right on. But we're going to, we're going to have, we're going to worship together. Now, I heard a lot of sermons that went down this road that I went down just for a second that, told, that stressed how to worship. Now, I would like to explain why we worship how we worship. Because everybody gets to do it. It's beautiful. And I think there's something fantastic about the idea of a bunch of people singing different parts. We got the lead, we got the, what, what the song leader typically would sing, and then you got the basses, you know, rumbling along down there. Of which I am not one. This is as low as my voice can go. Right here, my talking voice. I get excited or polite. It gets, it gets way up there. But then we got the tenors, and they're adding a little frill and doing their thing, and then the altos are hitting their notes, and, and there can be four different lines of, of, of song going on, four different notes being sung, and it sounds beautiful together. I don't think there's any better sign of unity than people singing four different things and it all working together four or five different songs being sung but yet it's one song being sung now they do harmonies at other churches and that i'm not saying we're just we're better than everybody else but i i, I do think this idea of song and collective the community song is something beautiful. Now, as someone who grew up in the Church of Christ, I would like to apologize to a group of people real quick. Those of you who don't like to sing, I don't understand you. I don't, but that doesn't mean that you're bad. But I would like to apologize to you because we have emphasized singing so much that sometimes you may feel left out. And you shouldn't feel left out. Sometimes we've emphasized singing well so much that we have also left some of you out. Whether you know it or not. 
I, I, I have a friend of mine who says there are a lot of churches of Christ that could use a piano. <laughs> to, to drown out whatever's happening in that little place. Maybe that's not funny to all of you, but it's funny to me. But th- there is a way we worship, and it's the way we worship for a long time. I don't know if you know this, but the churches of Christ started out with instruments. And eventually we stopped using them. Mainly because after the Civil War, the churches in the South were too poor to have them. But it's become what we do. And it's become who we are, and we love that. And we're all singing together in one, in, in a unified experience. But the question I have is not how do we sing. That's a very easy question to answer because you can just walk in our doors and say, well, they sing pretty well, and they sing a cappella, if you know that term, and or without instruments, and then they sing all together. They don't have a choir. They just have someone start it, and they sing it all together. That's an extremely easy question to answer. How is easy? Why is my problem? Why do we sing? Because song can be such this odd experience. Have you ever... If you're like me, I love to sing. I do. I love, I love to sing. And I am in my car. I'm often, I'm often singing like so loud that if you were in there, you'd have a hard time talking to someone else. Okay, that's me. Pull up to an intersection. You know what I do? I zip it for a second. Because you don't want the person in the car next to you hearing you sing. And the way I sing, they would hear me. If someone's visiting your house, you don't sing as loudly in the shower. It's odd for someone to walk in on you singing loudly. But yet we gather and we do it all together and we sing in a way we sing songs that are are nostalgic for us that mean something to us one of my favorite songs growing up was called um, it's called jesus is coming soon because i really like it was kind of upbeat and you know we go back and forth and there was a bass and echo and it was fantastic and then I grew up and I realized that's a really happy song that right in the middle of the chorus has the line, many will meet their doom. <laughs> it's such like a cowboy up song, like, doo, 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 you know, like, many will meet their doom, they're going to hell, yee-haw. Like it feels odd, <laughs> like an odd thing to be happy about. But I love that song to this day. And someone could point out, well, it sounds weird. A Church of Christ, people singing happily about many meeting their doom and a trumpet blowing. Thank you. But, but I love that song because it brings up in me nostalgia. It brings something I remember. It's, my, it's a group of people singing praises when I was a kid, and now I remember that. There's a lot of songs we sing that don't really fit us. One of my favorite songs of all time is, is um, by a band that you might not have heard of called Sister Hazel. 
And Sister Hazel wrote a song called Champagne Heights. Just beautiful. It's about a guy who goes to a wedding of the woman he loves. And now he's just on a champagne high because he can't, he can't forget her. It's a wonderful song. I've never lived that. But it connects with me. See, the way we sing and what we sing can move us in ways that nothing else could. See, the, the, the verse we go to often to talk about how we sing, I think, is a better verse if we are asking the question, why? We're going to go to Ephesians this morning. And Ephesians is a book uh, written by Paul to a bunch of different churches. It actually started out in Ephesus, but then they passed it along and went to several different churches in the area. So it's a, it's a bit of an... Uh, of an overview of what Paul thinks are the most essential things to talk about when, when talking about Jesus. Now, before we get to Ephesians 5, though, we've got to take a run at it. We've got to start in Ephesians 1. Now, but before we go to Ephesians 1, let me tell you, Ephesians is divided into, three chap- into two sections, three chapters each. So Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 is talking about how good Jesus is and what he has done. Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 is talking about what we should do in response to what Jesus has done. All right? Simple enough. Okay? Ephesians, each of them begins, both chapter 1 and chapter 4, begins with an overview statement of the whole thing. So you can just read the beginning of the first sentence of chapter 1. And you can just read this first sentence of chapter 4 and get the gist of everything. The problem is, the first sentence, of, actually after the greeting, the first sentence of Ephesians chapter 1 is the longest sentence ever written in history. It is. Our English cuts it up into a bunch of different sentences because it would be odd to have this one continuous run-on sentence. But in the Greek... What I'm about to read to you from Ephesians 1 is one thought, one sentence from the brain of Paul. You ready? Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and love. You'll notice that where there's periods up here, the next word is like a preposition. Those of you who can remember high school, it's a preposition. And that's just a a new prepositional phrase for him. It's not a new sentence. Um, So, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace to which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purposes of his will. Go. My goodness, Paul, slow down. But this one sentence gives us the idea that Jesus has done everything that God called him to do and that that he has called him to do 
was to rescue us, to bring us into a right relationship with God. He's done it. And the rest of Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 line out that He has indeed done it. He has brought us into a good relationship with the Father. And if you call yourself Christian, if you have accepted Jesus, if you have united with Him in the waters of baptism, then you can say beyond a shadow of a doubt that He has brought you into a right relationship with God. You do not need to be afraid. You have been redeemed. You have been fulfilled. You have been made holy through the blood of Jesus. It's been done. And that's what Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 is talking about. Actually, Paul will go on to say in Ephesians, in that first section, he'll say, and it's just a mystery to me. I have no idea. I didn't know this was coming. Mainly that not only Jews were saved, but also the Gentiles, the non-Jews. All of us. So he says that in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. And in Ephesians 4, he starts off... um, Well, was that it? That wasn't it. Oh my goodness. In order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of His glory, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions to praise of His glory. That's the rest of the sentence. It was too long when I cut it off too short. But he says God has done it, and because he did it, we now have the Holy Spirit. We now have the Holy Spirit. And we are confident that God's Holy Spirit in us is a sign that he has redeemed us. And then he begins Ephesians 3 like this. As a prison, because God has sent his son and his son reconciled us with the Father and left us the guarantee or the deposit of the Holy Spirit. As a prisoner for the Lord then, because of all that, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. These are three sentences actually. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in Love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit throughout, through the bond of peace. We are supposed to be united because we all have God's Spirit in us. And then he gets into some details. He says, well, if you're going to be a boss, here's how you're going to be a boss. If you're going to be a slave, here's how you're going to be a slave. He says, if you're going to be married, here's how you're going to be married. If you're going to be a parent, here's how. If you're going to be a child, here's how. And within all that, he says something very interesting about getting drunk. Here it is. Be very careful, then, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Hold on. I don't know 
know if you knew this, but our, our go-to verse when we're talking about singing is Ephesians 5.19 that we're about to get to. Ephesians 5.19 is the second half of one sentence that begins with, do not get drunk. Did you know that? It says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. And be, but instead of getting drunk, be filled with the Spirit. Here's how. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God and Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul here says, listen, here's how you live. One, don't get drunk, but instead be filled with the Spirit and sing. Did you know, I may be dropping way too much new information on you this morning, but it's necessary. Did you know that a lot of our psalms, a lot of the melodies for our hymns come from old drinking songs? Do you know that? They do. I once had a, a youth minister intern. I, th- I think I told the Sunday night group this, uh, the, a Sunday night class one time this. Uh, but he, you know, we lead singing. I don't know if you know that what this is. Uh, four, four time. It's one, two, three, four, downbeat, two, three. Okay, that's, we're directing the song, all right? Now, a lot of song leaders will do this with the song. No preacher does this while he's talking. But a lot of song leaders will do this with the song. One, two, three, four. Youth minister I I was working with did it like this. I was like, do you realize it looks like you're holding like a frosty mug? Singing a bar song? Oh, idy, 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 idy. Thank you, Joseph. There, there... But that, that's what it used to be. That's what happens. You go, in, you go to a pub, you, you lose some of your um, sense of self, and you all start singing together. I don't know what I'm thinking. Songs about Ireland. I don't know if that's... Anyway, that's what... In, and I said pub. I guess that's where I went. Songs about all sorts of stuff. Any song you can get your hand on, songs about country, songs about war, songs about pride, whatever, songs about girls. You sang in a pub and you sang it loud because you were filled with the spirits. And Paul here is contrasting one way of living which gets its joy and celebration and and, um, exuberance from Another way of living, or gets all that from from wine, from alcohol. And another way of living that gets all of that joy and love and, and excitement from the Spirit of God. He says, you don't, don't get drunk and sing that way, but be filled with the Spirit and, and engage in songs back and forth. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. 
The reason we sing is because God has left us His Spirit. And because He has redeemed us and left us His Spirit, we can find joy in that. Now, I'm not an emotional person. And I don't look down on people who are emotional. I'm just not really an emotional person. Um, it's probably some brokenness in me. But, so, so I don't really get into, into a song. Like, I've never had a song sung and just closed my eyes and thought, yes. You know, like, I've never, like, gotten, like, really into a song. I, there are songs I love and there are songs that bring me joy. So you might not be one of the persons that, that a song can just wash over them and completely consume them, but neither is your preacher. But we sing. And we sing because we're happy that he has left us his spirit. We sing because we're full of the spirit. What's interesting to me is because is that we will there are there are teachers and and teachings that will use this verse to say you are supposed to sing a certain way and they will drop filled with the spirit from the from the context. The proper way to sing and worship God. If you want to say Benjamin, what's the only way? Only way Christians should worship God. My answer is this, filled with the spirit. Filled with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In my book, denying that is like denying the resurrected Savior. It's true. Jesus was talking with a woman at the well in, outside of a city in Samaria. And, and, and she says, they, they were having an argument about where you worship. She says, you Jews say you have to worship at the temple, but we worship on this mountain. He says, there is coming a day when you will worship in spirit and in truth. The word there for truth is not correct doctrine. The word for truth is in actuality, in reality, you will worship. It will be a true thing. We worship because God's spirit is in us and that's how we show it. So you're a horrible singer. Sing out. We'll let you. Actually, we can't stop you. We've tried. So you're so you're you, you you're not really that you, you're not really kind of into that singing thing. Well, then just listen and enjoy it. Because that can be worship too. Have you ever um looked around and thought, man, they don't sing very much. That means you grew up in a church of Christ. And you equate singing loudly with holiness, and that's just incorrect. But singing with the Spirit can be something that's done loudly. It can be something that's done silently. You can just listen to the group, to the church, experiencing God in a place. Listen to the words they're saying. Sometimes the words we say are crazy too. 
One of my favorite songs, actually one of this church's favorite songs, and we are going to continue to sing it because Braden does something during the chorus that we all like. He's not here. I pointed to where he sits. Is, is I'm satisfied with a cottage below, but when I get to heaven, God, there better be a mansion. And I want a robe, and I want a crown, and I want a chocolate fountain, and I have some demands, God. We sing songs that don't make sense, but we sing them because we, we have joy, and there's, the melody, for some reason, can overtake us and take us to places that are better than the place that we came from. I'm a big believer that it's not just the words in the song, but it's also the music that's behind it. Music is from God. And he, and he says here, you will worship. You will worship, you will sing, because you are filled with the Spirit. And your life should look different, differently than other people's lives. Other people have to go and get drunk to be happy, but you don't need that. You shouldn't need that. Because we are filled with the Spirit of God, and as, a church, as the Church of Christ, we have, been, we have failed at teaching you about that filling of the Spirit. But it's real, and it's actual, it's true, it's in the Bible, it's hard to argue. If you want to argue that the, that the Spirit isn't real, then you're going to have to do some very, it's like biblical twister. Left foot on this spot, right foot over here, and before you know it, you're tied in knots and you can't get out of the situation you've made. We are to be filled with the Spirit, and that Spirit should reflect our singing. One of the saddest things you can see is a church. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. When a single church slipped into a coma. It's just this so... We, we used to sing this song, I think every... We got into the habit for about a year, singing the song at the end of church. Now the day is over. <laughs> we were all like gently falling asleep, like the whole kingdom in Sleeping Beauty. We are filled with spirit. We can sing sad songs, that's fine. We can sing slow songs, that's fine. We can sing fast songs and enjoy them even though the words are a bit not really biblical and that's fine. We are just looking for joy. We are looking for the spirit and we are looking to express it with each other. That's what church is. We should leave here not feeling alone but feeling connected with a group of people because we all sang together. Such an odd thing to do. We all sang together because we are all filled with the Spirit and we are all filled with joy because of what Jesus has done for us. And so we will sing and no one can stop us. We will sing. We will sing together. We will sing in our cars if we want to. We will sing as a group. But if anyone asks you, why do y'all sing? It's because we're filled with the Spirit. That's why we sing. That's why Paul tells us to sing. Don't get drunk, but instead be filled with the Spirit, singing to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Don't 
live one way but live another. Express your joy like this because you have something someone else doesn't have. And so we will sing. We sing today and we'll sing next Sunday. We'll sing tonight. We sing when we meet. Because we're filled with the Spirit. And there's a song um, on the radio now. How can I keep from singing your praise? One of my favorite older songs is a song that says, Ain't no rock gonna cry out for me. Because Jesus, when he was entering into, the, into um, Jerusalem, they laid down, they, laid, they made a way for him like a king and they sang his praise and people were saying, oh, don't sing the praise. And he says, if they, if they were quiet, the rocks would cry out. And I don't want rocks to cry out for Benjamin. I don't want rocks to have to cry out for me. I want to do the singing. I want to express my spirit-filledness, if you'll allow that word. I want to express my being filled with the Spirit however I can and with, with whoever I can. So we will sing. And you can sing as loud as you want or as quietly as you want but you come to a place where we gather together and we sing because the Spirit of God is moving and working and alive and active in this place. And if you want to claim that God, if you want to claim that Spirit, if you want to find that Spirit, if you want to connect with Jesus this morning, then all creation will sing and cheer for you. Let's stand and sing.